everybody. It's Dave here, Darren over there. We are two old bloggers, been doing this publicly for over two decades apiece, and we're going to talk about your Minnesota Vikings and the fact that they're meeting the New York Jets on the field of U.S. Bank Stadium tomorrow at noon to decide who's the better of the two teams. It's going to be a good one. But first, and I did not want to do that. There we go. Uh, we have three themes to talk about as usual. First theme today is, why is the Vikings screen game seem to be so ineffective this season? And there are some possibilities of why that is, but we would have expected more, especially with Kevin O'Connell coming from the LA Rams. The LA Rams ran it well last year, but it just doesn't seem to be clicking so far this year. In the second theme, we're going to go, when is it all going to go wrong? We're Vikings fans. <laughs> we're fatalists. We know something's about to hit, don't we? From, uh, he hasn't missed a kick all season. You know, and then wide left. To, oh man, they're off to a 6-0 and start. And then everybody ends up in the emergency room because they got injured some way and somehow. It's something always goes wrong. Vikings fans are looking for it. Should we be this season? I don't know. It's awful special. Finally, we're going to break down that Vikings versus Jets game. The Jets are damn good, especially on defense, and we'll get into that. But are they so on offense? They've got another backup quarterback playing, and Mike White hit a fantastic game last week against the Chicago Bears. But I'll repeat that. Against the Chicago Bears. Is that going to translate against the Vikings? We'll see. Climb in the pocket. Baby Norseman and Lake Monster Brewing presents two old bloggers. Starting now. Hey, everybody. It's Dave here, Darren over there. How are things up in the Great White North? Couldn't be better, Dave. It's not Good. minus 34 Celsius today, so, <laughs> which it w was yesterday. Um, no wind chill, though, so we, there was that. <laughs> Sounds a little bit chilly to me. I know yeah, I was, it was very, very chilly. I was talking to uh, our favorite fan of the show, Miss Mary, and uh, down in Sioux Falls, uh, it was a bit brisk this morning too. They were uh, negative six wind chill this mm. morning, and that's a uh, cold. Luckily, I don't have that here in Texas, so no, you, I'm not. No, you do not. But you for everybody up there, they need to keep warm, stay bundled up. We're back to back to our regular week, though, Dave. Like last week, we had the funny thing where we had uh, the Thursday game. We didn't have any game preview. We're back to playing on Sunday again. Uh, so looking forward to this game. Yes, me too. So speaking of which, let's get this started. We call this one another test because it is. The Vikings have played four out of the top five defenses, or will have played four of the five top defenses in the last four weeks, including this week. They played three games. They won two of those, right? Now we're going to play that fourth game against what PFF ranks as the number two 
ranked defense in the league, and it's going to be a test. It is going to be a big test. The Vikings came off that horrible loss against the Dallas Cowboys with a test the next week against New England Patriots. They passed that test. This is the following week. Can they keep up that momentum? They are at home, and we shall see. But on to theme one. What's wrong with the screen game? Dave, Dave pressed his cough button in time this time, so <laughs> almost just in time. I'm almost <laughs> over this cold. Yeah. Almost. Well, yeah, you sound a lot better than last week and 200% better than the week the week before, before. that. But, mm-hmm. but, but yeah, I, I think last week, um, Michael, Mike, Mike Harrington, one of our viewers, uh, commented a couple of times talking about how about doing a segment on the Vikings short passing game. Uh, I'm not quite sure what, uh, what, uh, what, what he, what he all meant about the short passing game of the Vikings, but I, I'm going to, I just thought it was, I was going to focus on the, the, the screen game, uh, which is something I've seen brought up by some other people who check out the show and other shows kind of like, what's up? Why aren't the, you know, the screen game isn't very effective. What's going on. And I don't think it has been very effective, Dave. And it, it's, 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 uh, and like you were saying early, early in the intro, uh, Kevin O'Connell coming over from from the Rams. Uh, the we were expecting that we would have a very good short passing game, a good screen game, and particularly to wide receivers and, and the running backs. I mean, the wide receiver screen these days is a big, big part of a lot of NFL offenses now. Uh, whether it's Kansas City, that team from Wisconsin, the 49ers, the LA Rams, a lot of teams run, particularly um, um, run, a, do a lot of short passes, get the ball out quickly. Uh, and it, you know, essentially it's, it's a, a long handoff for these guys. Um, but, but better because um, you're, you, you're getting this long handoff out into space. There's not as many defenders around, usually more real estate for the ball carrier to work with. And, um, you get it out quickly to a wide receiver. You, you bunch them up in, in, a, in a three bunch. Maybe it's three wide receivers. Maybe it's two wide receivers and a tight end. But get that bunch formation. The quarterback gets the ball quickly, hits to one of the wide receivers. The other two block. And for most teams, like 80 to 90% of the time, that's a five-yard gain at least and sometimes a lot more. Mm-hmm. Um the question, and like you said, the Rams last year were very effective in that. That was very important to them, getting it to Cooper Cup and others. Uh, the run out the yards after the catch, but the Vikings, the, particularly the wide receiver screens, they just we don't seem to. They don't look. We don't look very good running it. We don't. Uh, we don't do it a whole lot, for one thing. And when we do, it seems like uh, more often than not, we're getting like negative to gains to no gains out of it. And that is just not what I was expecting. Uh, you've got there. Maybe you can explain, Dave, because uh, I think we were sharing these screens a bit. Uh, yes. You were sharing this uh, stats to me uh, yesterday to kind of uh, illustrate. Oh. I got more depth in it this morning, but uh, I'm not posting those spreadsheets up here. Um, But what this is, PFF and their elite side breaks down passing concepts by play action, no play action, screen, no screen. Okay? And in that, I took the attempts, the completions, and the yards per attempt. 
And you can see under play action, the Vikings do decently at 6.2 yards. The um, no play action, they do even better at 6.9. The no screens, they do even better than that at 7. But in the screens, they're only getting 3.7 yards. And that's whether it's a tight end screen, a uh, screen to Dalvin Cook, screen to the wide receivers, whatever, it's 3.7 yards. That league-wise is not good, and I do have those numbers. I don't have them to show you, but I do have those numbers and we'll refer to them. There are, they also break it down by passing depth. And on this one, the numbers, if you try to add them up, they don't add up because the passing depth one doesn't always include screens. It also includes other passes that are short. You can see they break it by down left side of the field, center of the field, right side of the field. And you can see that the worst place we have is in the center of the field at 3.3, and the other is the right side at 3.8 yards. Um, it's uh, So there's a problem there. Now, the question is, where does the problem come from? Where do you think we're getting this? Why, why are those numbers low? Well, that is, that is, I think, the question that you know I was looking for you to. I like, yeah, I don't know. Is it because is is it because uh, you know? There's a few things, right? Is it because uh, our wide receivers are not uh, as good of blockers as some of those other teams that run it effectively? Uh, it, you know, if you're going to have a bunch three three bunch formation and two of those wide receivers are blocking, they got to win their blocks, and 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 you know maybe that's part of the problem. Uh, last week uh, on uh, some of the screens, uh, on some of the replays, it showed that our offensive linemen weren't getting out into space to pick off some some guys that defenders coming in on angles. Uh, I don't know if that's been a problem consistently, but it was last week, uh, last Thursday night against uh, the, the Patriots, and. Uh, uh, and so that's well. That's know, where those are the two things comes from. If you see, you've got Ezra and you've got Ed, yeah, out leading in front of um, Dalvin Cook. But as you can see, they're out going for a block. Ezra's got a guy. You can see the guy's foot and hand underneath. Ed's about to hit probably the same guy, but it doesn't matter because you've got three Dallas Cowboys already in the process of tackling Cook. Yeah. So the timing seems a little wacky. Yes, and that and for a screen game, you know, timing is very important uh, because you've you got to get the ball out quick. It's got to be accurate. Uh, sometimes you got to throw over defenders or uh, entice them to come in and then and bait them and then throw over them. So there's a lot of timing and and that offensive linemen getting out. They've got to orchestrate that properly, make sure they're not going downfield too early, all of those things. Uh, but yeah, something's off with this, David. And it's, uh, and it's unfortunate for the Vikings because um, as you saw against when you were, and I think you're, can't I can't hear you now. Even, it would make yeah, the yeah. offense that much better. And, and well, talk, if, yeah. And talking about it, better, if we're looking at teams that are better, you brought up the 49ers. Right, because we're looking at some of the teams that we could face or not possibly face, but let's look at teams in the NFC. The 49ers, they uh, they have a yards per attempt on screens of six point one yards. So, and that's generally, if I remember correctly, the average yards per game 
on a pass, that's why passing is more efficient than running, is about 6.1 yards. So you're getting that average. Uh, you wanted to talk about the Rams. The Rams are 6.1, even though this year they're not doing as great. If you look at the Cheeseheads on the other side of the border, they're even doing better at 5.4 yards. Like I said, the Vikings are sitting there at, what was it, 3.7, I believe? 3.7 it was, yeah. Do you know where that ranks in the league? Do you remember? I'm guessing it, well, like, I don't remember exactly, but it's got to rank, like, 30th or 31st or... Exactly, 30th. (laughs) Yeah. There's only two teams that are worse. Now, there are teams that are better. Best team in the league is the Titans. They average 10 yards per screen. Now, that has to do who, with who they're throwing to, I'm sure. But it also has to deal with the linemen and how they play it, how they scheme it. And some teams throw more screens than others. Um, yeah. When you're talking total amounts, the Green Bay Packers have thrown the most. They've thrown 79 this season. Right, whereas the Vikings, and you only got to watch you only got to watch one Green Bay game to see, to realize that because uh, it seems like half of their passes this year have been you know short mm-hmm. wide receiver screens. Um, and uh, whereas we've thrown forty three, uh, Swerve ninety five. Yes, uh, we should be a little bit worried about the Jets game, and we'll get into the Jets and theme three in particular. And Mister Tuda, thanks for joining us. Uh, you think your Jets are going to soar over us, Vikings? That's going to be an interesting debate, especially tomorrow at noon. But back to the screens. The lowest screen team is the Miami Dolphins, believe it or not. They've only thrown yeah. 15 all season. So it's it, it depends on scheme, what you're trying to do, what your assets are, as to yeah. how good a screen game you have. But a lot of it, it literally comes down to timing. You've got to get whoever's the basic easiest way to think of what is a screen versus just a pass out to a wide receiver who's out there. And we have plays like those, right, where, say, Justin Jefferson lines up out way on the edge, close to the sideline. He's looking. If that quarterback's way the heck off, say, like at 10 yards back, he can look at Kirk. Kirk can look at him, and they can do a mm-hmm you know, type deal, and Kirk gets the ball, immediately turns around, throws it to him, right? Behind the line of scrimmage pass, and then he's got to make up that difference. He has no blockers. The deal with the screen is the screen takes time to set up because you're moving blockers out there. You're taking linemen generally. Linemen, you can take wide receivers, but it's generally linemen. It's generally your guards. That's why in this picture you have Ezra and Ed. But it's generally a guards, can be your center, can be your tackles. It depends who, how they've got it schemed up. But they've got to move and snap the ball. They've got to pull, which is a step back, open up, go down the line of scrimmage to get to where they need to go. If that timing is a little bit off, then everything gets messed up. Or if defenders can read that coming, and there may be some tells out there. That we're, mm-hmm. we haven't picked up on, but opposing defenses have, that they can read that, and then they know to come up or go to that side. Corners know to come up. They know how to defeat it, avoid a block, get the get the the receiver or running back or whoever's got the ball, get him down, and for short gain. And that 
makes that play ineffective or minimally effective. You want him to go. You want a screen to go more than six yards, and they're oh, not yeah. getting it this year. And I think it's timing. I think it's literally a timing thing. Timing's a bit off. Yeah, and it's and it's unfortunate, uh, Dave, because uh, that that screen game, whether it be to the running backs or to the wide receivers. Uh, I think that would have come in if we had a, an effective one. That would have been come in quite handy against Dallas, because uh, you can use the defenses as aggressive against them uh, by getting that those short throws out. And you know, you know, giving your quarterback a throw where he doesn't have to stand in the pocket at all or make even a difficult throw. You, know, you make it easier on your line, and they don't really have to block anybody uh, mm-hmm. at the line of scrimmage, and they don't have to hold their blocks long. They're, then they get some of them get out in space, and they like doing that. <laughs> you know, picking off some smaller guys, and uh, <laughs> and and so uh, and in the playoffs, we're going to be facing defenses like the mm-hmm. 49ers, like the Cowboys, uh, potentially. And uh, so, you know, in effect, I think an effective screen game is something. You know, short the short passing game. Yeah, the short passing game is going to be something that the the offense is it, it'd come in really handy. But I just don't know at this point in the season uh, whether you can fix something like that. And you can you can get significantly better at it. You, you think you they got to be working on it. They they know it's a weakness. The the stats are out there. But uh, you know, eleven games in, we haven't really seen any improvement in the screen game. And um, you know, two thousand nineteen, well, the the, yeah. the Vikings had a had a very good. Uh, you know, screen game, particularly to the running backs. It seems like since then we haven't really been as effective with it. And I thought under the new regime that things would be different, and that the wide receiver screens would be more part of the of the of the offense. And it and they, as you say, we're not throwing a lot of screens, and when we do throw them, we're not very effective on them. So it's one of those weaknesses with with this offense. And uh, you know, well, we hope they can get it together, but uh, they got. Uh, the time's running out for them to do so. Yes, I agree wholeheartedly, and we'll find out. Well, that brings us the, to the end of Theme 1, which brings us to Lewis and Badass Woodart. Lewis is busy. I talked to him just about an hour or so ago. He is busy finishing up his little skull signs, a whole batch of those. And he's got – you can order and use the the – Promo code HOLIDAYS, and you'll get 15% off. Or you can pro- order and use the promo code CT Pocket and get 20% off. That's the way to go. He makes brilliant, beautiful stuff out of wood. And if you want it for your man cave, for your woman hut, or whatever they call their things, <laughs> by all means, get it. It makes a great, great Christmas present. And you can have it. Now Sounds like on, Lewis is making a lot of those as well. He is. Now on to theme two. Pardon me. Talking is what's bothering me. You are pardoned. All right. You wanted to know, when will it all go wrong? Yeah, Dave, you were just a... a saying that I must have been in a, a weird mood when I was writing my notes <laughs> for the game because I think maybe it was a little bit negative but uh yeah I just was was interested it wanted something I want to get off my chest and also thought like maybe some of our viewers uh 
get their thoughts on it as well and see if if they're feeling the same or they think that it's all hogwash but um you know it's been a very enjoyable season clearly you know the vikings are nine and two so uh winning on a sunday or a thursday uh makes for making for a great work week rest of the week for for viking fans like myself but i've been finding lately that like i've got this there's been something almost like some, a sense of dread has almost been creeping <laughs> into me, into me where um, I'm kind of, I'm wondering like, again, when is this dream season uh, going to go south uh, and, and, and go bad? And maybe it's the Vikings fan in me. I've seen too much over the years, too many things go wrong. Uh, and I'm always expecting the worst and hoping for the best, but you know, just the way that they, this Vikings team uh, has performed uh, this year that you know they're winning all the time, which mm-hmm. is great. But again, it's they're winning, but it's the way that they're winning that maybe has got this me got this feeling in me that something like is it all a mirage? Are we can we keep it up? Uh, winner, winner, all of those one uh, score games going to turn the other way for us uh when are we going to get like a string of injuries that knocks out a bunch of starters significantly on a team that doesn't have a lot of uh, you know doesn't have a lot of quality depth uh th- those are the kind of things that are like when are we gonna when are we some saw of those that breaks? in 2016 right yeah. we start out six and oh and then everybody in the offensive line just falls apart yeah. all sorts of injuries and we're pulling guys out of 7-eleven by the end of it and it's just, and you can't maintain. We, the like I said, Vikings fans have been through it all. You know, the great kicking, two thousand nine with Favre, everything going great, and then twelve men in a huddle, and he throws the interception across his body. You know, just all those things play, and it, it makes for very much for a fatalistic point of view. You know, when's that next shoe going to drop? Is this a mirage? Yeah, I for for me it, it, when I'm watching every Vikings game this year, as a lot of us on on this that are on the show do. But uh, you, you look at how the Vikings win. Uh, it's not hey G Mac, welcome aboard. Uh, glad to have you on. But you, you, when I look at the way the Vikings have won, uh, you know you you think even this week you know, we're nine and two. We're we're facing and the the Jets are seven and four. We're at home. We're nine and two. We're facing the Jets. No no offense, people, but I'm looking. You know, the past decade haven't been very good for you guys. Uh, I should be feeling pretty confident about this game. I should be feeling like the Vikings are are going to be uh, a, a decisive uh, get a decisive victory here. I do not feel that way, uh, and that's partly because the Jets are much better than they have been in in several years. But still, uh, I feel like that. Like every, I felt like that for, you know, several games now and all the remaining ones coming up, I'm like, you know, the way the Vikings play, it's all the games are usually always close. Doesn't seem to matter who we play. We don't, we don't win as often. We don't, we don't dominate. And it, and it feels like when you're not in Bay in the first game. Yeah. And it feels like if a nine and two team should be, you'd think, you know, they should be dominant, right? You're, we've got we're tied for the second best mm-hmm. record in the National Football League. <laughs> so, yeah, you would think so, but I but I just don't feel that way, and it's and it's kind of weird, and I don't know if anybody else feels that way, but uh, you know I don't have a good feeling about tomorrow's game, uh, but it, well, but I asked, should. We're not in two. 
you asked if it's a mirage. The one thing that uh, the talking heads been talking about all week is they dove into the fourth quarter's numbers. Mm-hmm. Fourth quarter, the Vikings have been dominant. They've been dominant on the offensive side of the ball, and they've been dominant on the defensive side of the ball. Right? They've held their, I think, the number one defense in the fourth quarter at holding uh, a team for not scoring points. And there are like one, two, three, four, or five on the offensive side. And we know Kirk Cousins leads the league in comebacks, fourth quarter comebacks this season. But it's that they're number one in opening drive, right? The scripted plays. Yeah. Bam, 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 bam. Boom, seven points. And then it's that, oh, wait a minute. What happens between then and in the fourth quarter? You know, we may score a couple, we may not score a couple, but we usually score a couple, get up, and then we let them back in, and then we're suddenly behind, and it's like, wait a minute, why? We we have not seen yet a full, complete game where everything's played well from start to finish. Could we see it tomorrow? Yeah, we could. Brian's worried about uh, the O-line. Will they be under siege tomorrow? On paper, they're going to be under siege. It's going to be their, probably their toughest test of the season so far, especially with Darisaw out. Um, yeah. But can they play well enough and can they scheme well enough to make it so it's not a big deal? Yes. Absolutely. So have we seen that yet? We've seen it in spurts, and we see it in the fourth quarter, but we haven't seen it the whole game. We see it the whole game. See, that's where that's where my optimism comes in. Mm-hmm. Is uh, and I remember I left my red light on. That's why my face is red. Um, <laughs> that uh, my optimism comes in because there is room to improve. We've seen them play at those levels, but they have not put it all together. As a whole, I think if they start, especially if they, you know, they're working up to it and get to that in the playoffs, we'll be, we'll be deadly in the playoffs. Well, like, uh, you know, GMAC saying, and and one thing that um, part of my fatalism is, or they, they, you know, I don't want the Vikings, they've had such a great start to the, to the year and the season's been going so well, you're, you're at nine and two, uh, what you don't want to do is then, uh, go into the playoffs on like where you've played 500 football the last six games of the season and you're not really ascending going into the playoffs like what's happening with the 49ers right now where uh, you know they had some lots of injury issues and quarterback issues early in the season they were a sub 500 team now they're now that they got most everybody back uh, then they traded for Christian McCaffrey now they're cooking with gas and they're they seem to be like getting stronger as the season goes on. That's what I want to see from the Vikings, uh, and 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 uh, we may very, very well see it. See it like you said. Uh, we haven't played our best football yet. Yeah, but uh, we're, on the end. I think all except for the Dallas game, we have improved somewhat. Mm-hmm. Uh, you take getting T.J. Hawkinson, right? Trading crazy trading for T.J. Us getting T.J. T.J. has now caught more balls than any tight end in. After a trade, he's doing great. He scored touchdowns. He's getting stuff. Well, uh, TJ is will be one of those keys to victory. We'll get into it in the next segment. But 
things like that have helped improve. And I see the incremental stuff. Now, the injuries to Darisaw, to Tomlinson, to Dantzler, to Evans, yes, they have affected some of that play, but the team is getting relatively healthy again. Knock on wood, they stay that way. And the other thing about the Vikings is that that should be a cause for optimism, even for me, is that uh, however you feel about the Vikings, Kevin O'Connell's team has nine out of the 11 weeks that we played, they have found a way, a way to win, Uh, whether it's like, you know, excelling in late game situations, uh, getting off to quick starts with the first drive, uh, like you say, excelling in the last three minutes of the first half uh, on on offense and in particular. the turnover battle, not turning the ball over a whole lot, not taking a lot of penalties, uh, far fewer than a lot, you know, the vast majority of the NFL. So there, there, there are those little things that they've been doing last season. Yes. There's those things that they've, they've been doing them and they haven't just been doing them for a stretch of games. That's been consistent the whole year. Mm -hmm. Uh, so, uh, whether you think that that's sustainable or not so far after through 11 games, it has been sustained and I expect that that will continue. And maybe that's, that's Vikings ball this year. And that's, that's the kind of the, uh, you know, the things that they need that that's, that's going to keep continue to carry them through. Uh, I just, like everybody says, I'd really like to, I just like to see uh, a little bit more comfortable wins uh, and, uh, and I guess more consistent, strong play from special teams, offense and defense throughout a whole game. But that's what all fans want, I guess. But, but yeah, again, Kevin O'Connell's team keeps on finding a way to win uh, and maybe they'll end. So I don't know. I, maybe I shouldn't be doubting them, uh, uh, but uh, I think as a team, they're they're used to getting doubted this year because lots of people don't think they're ne- not. Lots of people think that they're not nearly as good as their record uh, oh, indicates that they are. Especially nationally, when it comes to the press and everybody else, they think uh, they think they're fraudulent. Mm-hmm. And uh, fine, think that way. Yeah, I, I don't care. They're going to win the division. Right, I'm gonna to have to get a new division T-shirt. You are conference yes. T-shirt, and I want a Super Bowl T-shirt this year. But <laughs> it's let them think that way. As long as the Vikings go out there and find ways to win, and they've done that this year, nine and two, and they've found ways to win. Period. It's all all that matters. The two games you call the Dallas Cowboy game a mulligan. Because literally, I think that's what it was. I think if we played them again, it would be different. <laughs> and of so. course, the Eagles <laughs> game, uh, that was early when things weren't as gelled. So, uh, and the learning new seasons is week two. Fully understandable. I'm going to see them again in the NFC Championship, hopefully in our house. Um, but we'll go there. Yes, GMAC proved them wrong. And we're doing great. I'm hopefully just about over with this cold, but it's not doing well with me talking today. Now, that brings us to our favorite part, my favorite part of the show, where we talk about Lake Monster Beer. Guess what I'm drinking today? Lake Monster Depth Charge IPA. It's one of my favorites. Matt sent it to me. Got it last night. Appreciate it, Matt, very, awesome. very much. 
Matt and I talked a little while ago. We're talking about English special bitters that uh, hopefully he'll attempt to brew one. But they've got uh, their great beer on tap. And as usual, basically same as last week. The only thing I have different this week is that uh, the hard seltzer and the pints, they have labeled now. You can get it in mango lemonade or tangerine if you are a seltzer person. Other than that, everything is exactly the same. I He did send a can of raspberry sour and blackberry sour, which I'm going to try a little bit later because uh, I've never had a sour ale. I don't know what it tastes like. It should be fun. We will find out. But the big thing that they have on tap, pun intended, next Sunday, not tomorrow, but the following Sunday, Vikings are on the road. They're on the road playing the Detroit Lions, right? It's a noon game. Well, you can go to Lake Monster and knock two things out at once. Two. It's a twofer. You can go there and watch the game and drink fabulous beer, right? But you can also go there because they're holding the holiday market. And they have artisans from all over the local area that are going to be selling all sorts of local stuff, local-made arts and crafts, local pieces of art uh, that they make right there on the premises. And if you buy $75 worth of said artist stuff, you get free beer. I always like free beer, right? You're getting a discount and you're getting free beer. You kind of love that. And not only that, you can't tell me you're done Christmas shopping yet. There is always, always something that you forget. That last minute gift or that gift for yourself for that matter. Why not go down there and get yourself something cool, classy, handmade, absolutely beautiful, have beer and watch the Vikings on their big screen TVs at the same time. Can't beat that with a stick. Lake Monster Brewing over in St. Paul, right across the river. Easy to find, easy to get to, and fabulous beer. Great people, great times. You'll love it. That brings us to theme three. Oh, music is back. All right, we're going to talk. We'll go into the Vikings versus the Jets. Donnie, thank you for having a shot. I uh, appreciate it. It would probably do a better on my voice. <laughs> uh, Mary needs two because uh, she's not drinking at the moment either. Um, so she's getting better as well. She's got this same old crud. There is... We're looking at, first off, the Vikings offense versus the defense. We're going through our normal setup where we first talk about power rankings from PFF. Power rankings have the Vikings offense 12 and going down. Okay, fine. They have, this is the big deal, they have the Jets defense power ranked second in the league. They're good, and we'll tell you why in a bit. Vikings offense, when it comes to football, outsiders are 20th in going down, 20th overall, 20th in the pass, 20th in the run. Well, at least they're consistent. Uh, Jets are 4th overall, 5th in the pass, 6th in the run, against the run. 
when it comes to Elias Sports Bureau. Elias Sports Bureau is the official company that gives all those back in the the paper box score stats, the stuff you find on ESPN and NFL.com and CBS.com, those stats. They have the Vikings 17th going down in yards, 7th against the pa- uh, passing offensively, 26th, only 26th in rushing, 12th in points. Now, we bumped into the top 10 for a little bit this season, and we dropped back down to 12. We have taken 28 sacks. Not all of them go to Ed Ingram, but a chunk of them do. Um, we're 10th in uh, turnovers, giving away 12 so far this season. The defense, Elias has them 5th in yards, 8th against the pass, 12th against rushers, 4th in points given up, 7th in the league with sacks with 34. They're ninth on turnover differential with plus 2. And they're 12th with 15 takeaways. The line is the Vikings are favored by 3. Over-under is 44.5. And And the line has stayed pretty steady all week long. The interesting about those... uh... Those offensive stats, Dave, just for a second, on like the particularly football outsiders and PFF uh, saying, you know, have us our offense going down after last week's game. Uh, as you know, like football outsiders, uh, the strength of the the opponent that you face factors into your mm-hmm. your your rankings. And we faced a pretty good defense by uh, last week, and we moved the ball, I thought, pretty well, and we scored twenty six points. <laughs> uh, I don't had count. A great defense. Uh, yeah, I, I don't count uh, Wang Chung's kickoff return as offensive uh, as the offense scoring points. But but anyway, so I'm a bit surprised that we actually went down. I would have thought that we would have went up uh, based on the defense that we were facing. But anyway, that's just me. No, but that's the rest of the country saying ah, they're fraudulent. They're not that good. Ha. So malignant. Flipping over yeah. the other side of the ball, Vikings defense is up to 13 on the power rankings. Woohoo! They, uh, <laughs> PFF likes our defense. Yeah. Pro Football Outsiders, on the other hand, does not. They got them 23rd overall, 27th against pass, 16th against the run. When it comes to PFF, the Jets' offense is 29th, whereas Mr. Was it, uh, Tuda, Tuda talking about how his Jets are going to do. Uh, offensive power ranking of 29th. Not so sure. Um DVOA for Football Outsiders has them 18th overall, 19th in the pass, 12th in the run, and we know they have issues at quarterback. They did bring in Mike White. Backup quarter last week, he did well against the Chicago Bears. When it comes to your basic box score stats, Vikings are 31st of defense going down with yards. They allow a lot of yards. We know that. It drives us absolutely batshit crazy. They allow the teams to march down, and then they're good in the red zone. Um, They're 32nd against passing. Last time I checked, there's 32 teams in the league, so that's not good. Um, They're 14th against the rush. That should get even better because we got Dalvin Tomlinson back this week. Um, And then uh, that just expanded. 
Oop, now it's shrinking. And uh, so, and Vikings defense is third um, in turnovers. They have uh, plus six differential, fifth in takeaways with 18, and they're 14th in sacks. They have 29. Over on the Jets side, when it comes to their offense, they're 22nd in yards, 22nd in passing, 20th in rushing, 20th in points. They've given up 26 sacks. That's going to increase tomorrow. And they've given up their 13th, given up 13 turnovers. So, yes, the Jets' defense is very, very good. The offense, uh, we'll have to see. Then we get to special teams. Special teams going up. Wang Chung's kick return, Kenei Nwangu's kick return helps that. Uh, of course, Mr. Wright and his beautiful, beautiful punts. People get tired of me saying, you know, when we go over what are the highlights of the game, and we go over the highlights of the game, of course, Mr. Wright is just booming it. He is, I think, leading or running up, and when it comes to Pro Bowl votes for a putter, he should be. He's that good. Uh, Greg Joseph, on the other hand, he's going to give us a heart attack. And Ryan Wright's probably, uh, well, I would not probably, uh, I guess depending on how you view punters, but Ryan Wright's been our top rookie this year. <laughs> well, uh, and there, there very well could be an argument made for that. Yes, there could. Um, Donnie's scheme and the Vikings is not bad. Defense is not bad. Create turnovers. And uh, between the 20s, they're ranking to build BS stats in the garbage time. Um, defense is not bad, and they do grab turnovers. They're very opportunistic, and yes, they stop. They move stuff in between the 20s, a loud movement, but then it shuts down, and especially in the, the fourth quarter when it matters the most. Now on to the injury report, the boo-boos. All right, for the Vikings, Christian Derrissaw has been announced, will be out again. He is progressing through the protocols from his second concussion. In a row, he's almost there, but they're going to keep him out for safety reasons. He will be out tomorrow. We, might, we will probably see him against the Lions. Also, uh, tight end Ben Ellison, who's been on IR, came off IR and worked back to active, is still not quite ready. He is out. And defensive tackle Ross Blacklock has, I think, this crud. It's been going around for the last few weeks. Um, Kevin O'Connell said he's getting better, but he doesn't think he's quite right. They have him as questionable, but you might throw that up as a doubtful or unlikely is what it sounded like to me. When it comes to the Jets, the Jets have safety Ashton Davis. He is out, ruled out. Running back Michael Carter is doubtful. Right tackle Cedric Ogabehi is doubtful. And left tackle Dwayne Brown is questionable. Hopefully those big boys aren't playing, and it makes it all the easier for Darius Smith and Daniil Hunter. And that ends up your generic slides. <laughs> so, but I did want to put, put out that the, the Jets' defense is, has the third lowest rate Allowed against wide receivers, 
They've got a very good trio of corners, all three starting, and I have images of them, but did I get them loaded? No, I didn't. Um, from their two outside and their nickel are all three very, very good corners. Obviously, Sauce Gardner is the headliner there. Jets defense has the third lowest rate against tight ends, which is an interesting stat. I don't think that's going to matter with TJ Hawkinson because we talked about their weak points are linebackers and safeties. That intermediate across the middle, I think we're going to pick on that all day. And uh, that's going to happen. How does an offensive tackle get a concussion? Uh, he gets hit in the head or he slams his head against the turf. One of the two. And both work. I've had them both. It, it does work. You can have, you can get knocked. It's A concussion is when the brain, you're hit and the brain moves and smashes the skull. Basically from the inside causes a bruise. That generally is what causes a concussion. It can come from a whiplash at the back of a, you know, the turf or getting hit sideways or whatever, and there's you're more susceptible on the sides than you are, say, in the forehead. Um, but you can also get it in the back. But it's literally the brain moving inside your skull and uh, smacking up, and it, it, it literally almost bruises it. And it does it bad enough, it'll knock you out. That's what causes it. G-Mac. Ah, uh, Get ready to update your shirt. Yes, Purple Haze. I have already said that today. I look forward to buying the 2022 NFC North Division Champs. Speaking of which, all we got to do is win tomorrow and have the Lions do the Lions things against the play. I think they're playing the Jags. Um, yes, they are. Yeah. Vikings win and either a Lions loss or tie, tie and uh, we Vikings clinch the division. Tomorrow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Week Which would be the earliest, uh, I think the earliest the division has been clinched in quite some time. <laughs> um, GMAC, yes, uh, blocking, a lot of times it's helmet, helmet, helmet to helmet. If you're run blocking, you're, you're firing out. Yeah, you got your arms out and you got your shoulder out, but a lot of times because the defender's going this way and you're going that way, it sometimes makes contact. It does happen. It's generally not the top of the head. Um, it's not a spearing type deal. It's uh, it's it's usually sides if you get hit in the side um, or like I said if you hit the turf and bam that happens a lot. So uh, you want to talk about Mike White. I can find his picture. I've made enough of him. Did you freeze on me, Darren? Oh, no. Darren froze on me. Because we're going to talk about Mike White. Mike White. The There he comes. He's coming back. There you go. Wondered where the hell you were. I'm sitting there talking, and you disappeared. Wi-Fi went out suddenly, but I'm yeah. back. You're back. Where are we? <laughs> Mike White. <laughs> this bubble. Well, yes. Yeah, no. Uh, the uh, Jets uh, wanted to talk about it. Hit on a few points here with the Jets Vikings heading into the game. Um, guy on the screen right now, uh, Mike White, uh, had a 
excellent game last week uh, after he was uh, replaced Zach Wilson as the the Jets starting quarterback. Uh, He completed almost 79% of his passes he threw against the Bears, threw for three touchdowns, no interceptions, 315 yards. Uh, So uh, it's amazing, Dave, when an athlete in New York has a big game, how all of a sudden he's the greatest thing since sliced bread. And that's what I've been reading all week. Mike White this, Mike White that, Mike White, you know, I know. That was only the his fifth the- start. Yeah. And how uh, many years? Um, he's been in the he's league. He's 27. Wow. Yeah, he's 27. Uh, it, yeah, it's been that's this is last week was the fifth NFL game he's appeared in regular season game. Um, so let's slow the Pro Bowl Mike White Pro Bowl talk here for a little bit. Uh, and like you mentioned, he played the Bears, uh, who are not exactly a strong team this year. A Bears team without Justin Fields. Um, mm-hmm. You got to take that into consideration. Mm-hmm, but uh, and uh, but uh, I was watching, uh, but. You know that still, when you put up the kind of stats that Mike White did last week, um, that that catches people's attention. And I don't think after I watched the condensed game, uh, and I've watched some other Jets games this year as well, when Zach Wilson was a starting quarterback, mm-hmm. and uh, it's pretty clear to me, even after one game, that I'd much prefer prefer if Zach Wilson was starting this game against the Vikings than Mike White. Um, Pete Burchich from the the Vikings radio. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. and a color guy uh he he has a weekly film session thing on the vikings entertainment network i watched that he kind of broke down mike white uh, his game and what he's good at and what he was uh he stressed his takeaways on mike white was that mike white is very good at recognizing things pre-snap uh, and if defenses do not just do a good job disguising what their coverage is and what defense they're running pre-snap he's great at recognizing uh what they're going to do and what and what receiver is going to be open with that coverage, and he can execute. What Birchich said also was part of his takeaways is that uh, so. Uh, but what White is not good at is that if defenses do a good job disguising what they're doing, mix things up. If they for and they get him a little bit confused, so he can't make those good pre-snap reads. He is not good thinking on the fly, making decisions on the fly, and he makes a lot of bad throws and mistakes if he gets confused and is. Uh, and if the defense again mixes things up and doesn't tell him, you know, uh, telegraph what they're doing pre-snap, and if you get him moving in the pocket again, he's prone to making bad throws. Um, the issue, though, was that last week the Bears did not really disguise what they were doing uh, very well at all. And Mike White sliced and diced them to the tune of 315 yards and three touchdown passes. Well, I think uh, our defense has the ability to do that. They've got a bunch of old heads, Patrick Peterson, Harrison Smith, uh, you know, Kendricks, etc. veteran guys that know how to adjust and keep things hidden. And I think especially Patrick Peterson, when he talks about, well, I know if he's looking here, I can bait him this way, right? I think you're going to see a lot of that tomorrow. And Mike White's history was he'd come out, have a fantastic game, everything was great, and then the next game he'd throw four or five interceptions. 
and be horrible. And last so, year, yeah, and last year he in his last start against mind you was against the Bills, but he did have a four interception game, no touchdown passes thrown, and four interceptions thrown. Uh, that was not a good. Uh, time for him nobody seemed to be uh touting him as a pro bowler last year after that game uh but uh but you you, you know you have to take so uh, you have to take the the competition he faced last week into consideration the other thing that really went in his favor in the jets favor is that the bears were starting trevor simeon at quarterback and they couldn't get anything done on offense after the first two drives so uh mike white was getting the ball in good field position uh and he was facing i think a team that was demoralized by about the time the second half came uh by about week they knew two? they were yeah they, they knew they were out of it they knew they weren't coming back with trevor simeon as a quarterback and and trevor simeon couldn't get an offense uh-huh. going to 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 threaten them so there, there's that but but mike white's gonna get rid of the ball quickly that's what the jets are gonna do he's gonna get the, out the ball quickly uh you have concerns about ed donatel uh you know what i've seen from him throughout the whole year is that he does not really he's got a philosophy he's got a defensive system and he's sticking to it uh he's not going to be rushing five or six guys at white i don't think i think he's going to do the stick you know the zone coverage four. stick with stick with the normal four he's going to be oh, he's going to be depending on Daniel Hunter and Zedarius Smith to have big days rushing the passer and flush Mike White out of the pocket and get him rattled he's going to be depending on uh, Dalvin Tomlinson coming back and that making a difference to our to our defense uh, he's going to be depending on he's going to try to his defensive system was all about i think limiting limiting mm-hmm. big plays explosive plays so you're going to again you're going to see i think mike white's going to complete a lot of passes tomorrow uh every quarterback we've faced this year uh has whether they're good bad or indifferent they've been able to have complete a lot of passes against us uh so the the, the jets are probably going to be i expect that they're going to rack up some yards but mm-hmm. uh Dontel's going to be like he's going to be uh, again force them to grind it out uh, maybe they'll get a penalty here and there or not execute on a play and get them down uh, in bad situations and down in distance that'll submarine a couple of drives uh we'll get a couple of turnovers like we haven't had too many the past couple of weeks but prior to that we were on a pretty good string of turnovers so mm-hmm. it's going to be like a Harrison turnover Smith battle or patrick peterson uh you know and all those guys were racking up some interceptions Fumble recoveries, Eric Kendricks, you know, that we could use a few more. And I anticipate some tomorrow. I would call that. I would bet on that. But if we get at least one turnover from the defense. Yes. Uh, I, I think after two, a couple of weeks where we didn't, I don't think we had a turnover last week or against the, the, the Cowboys game. Uh, uh, so, uh, yeah, we're, we're probably due for one or two, I think. Uh, so that's going to be important. But uh, expect Mike White again to complete a fair amount of passes. I expect the Jets to move the ball more than we would like. Uh, just about every team that, that, that the Vikings defense has gone, every offense the Vikings offense, defense has gone up against this year, uh, we have done that. Uh, but, um, but still, um, and I think that uh, Mike White is going to try to exploit that that middle area uh, beyond where the linebackers drop and in front of our safeties going deep, like Mac Jones did last week and the Patriots did several times. I think he's going to try to exploit that area when he can. Um, and, but is this the game, David, where uh, as Donatel's defense uh, plays 
you know, just completely shuts them down because the, the Jets aren't a great offense. They haven't been a great offense all year. Uh, I don't think that Mike White is a superstar. Uh, he looked good against the Bears last week, but uh, their run game is, you know, it's okay. Um, but they've got some faceless guys mm-hmm. back there. Nobody, they lost Brees Hall and they've got some face. Michael Carter's their number two guy. He might not be playing tomorrow. Uh, so I don't know how effective their run game is going to be. But, uh, but still, it doesn't seem to matter what offense we play, what quarterback we play. We give up a lot of yards, uh, give up a lot of completions. Uh, sometimes we don't, but a lot of times we don't give up a lot of points. <laughs> if and, I remember uh, correctly, uh, they have a decent wide receiver, Garrett Wilson. Yeah, Wilson is an impressive rookie, and you know he's got well over 50 catches this year, and and his rear is even more impressive when you consider that he's had Zach Wilson throwing him the ball for the, the majority of it. So imagine if he had a real quarterback throwing him the ball, what his stats would be like. But but he's an impressive rookie. He looks very refined. He doesn't look like a rookie at all, really. And uh, but he one of those good mm-hmm. wide receivers coming out of Ohio State out of college these days. Um, he. he and, and he's really the the big name on the op, on the Jets' on the offense. offense right now, because uh, the the other wide receivers whether it be Denzel Mims, Braxton Berrios, Corey Davis, none of those guys are are players that really uh, teams are scared of, even the Vikings. Yeah. But that's the that's the Jets' offense side of things. But I think through well, we know kind of we know what the yeah we know what we know what the the what the Vikings defense brings, I think, uh, this year for the remainder of the way, it's really our offense that's going to con- continue to carry us and get us the wins. I think the defense, we're going to depend on them to, uh, you know, come up with key plays at key times like they have, but really if we're going to win, continue to be successful and keep on winning like we have. It's really the offense that's going to carry the day and it's going to have to do that again tomorrow, but it's going to have to do it against a very good, very, very good Jets defense. Like you were saying, we already put up the rankings, uh, like guys like Soft Gardner up there. But what really scares me, so we'll see how much Soft Gardner is on Justin Jefferson. That's going to be a very interesting. That is uh, interesting. Very interesting match. Going to shadow him, but Soft Gardner yeah. hasn't shadowed at all this season. He's he. They play sides, mm-hmm. and DJ Reed, who's on the other side, is good, right? Yes. And so they may just play sides, and then it comes down to the brain game as to how Kevin O'Connell is going to scheme Justin Jefferson open. And if Justin Jefferson is not open, if everybody's following Justin Jefferson, are we going to see Adam Thielen squirt out the side or TJ Hawkinson over the middle, which I think we'll see a lot of. You're going to see a a ton of that tomorrow. But the big premier uh, uh, hype of this game is Sauce Gardner versus Justin Jefferson. All right, Sauce Gardner's a rookie, and he's playing fantastic, right, as a cornerback. I think he's going to get schooled tomorrow. Now, is he going to? Is Sauce Gardner going to do relatively well against JJ? Sure, but I think there's going to be times where JJ schools him, and then. We'll find out. Now, is Sauce Gardner my biggest worry on that defense? Is he your biggest worry on that defense? Sauce Gardner is not my biggest worry on defense, David. Uh, and actually, like you said, I I don't think that Sauce Gardner is going to 
shut down Justin Jefferson, and he may not be on Justin Jefferson a lot anyway. But it, it, it's a matchup people are going to bring up. But really, I think the most important matchup is is going to be on the interior, uh, where we're facing Quinn and Williams, who is having like an outstanding, outstanding year. Eight sacks, going to be a Pro Bowler. Uh, he's really moved, played, upped his game to a level under a new Jets head coach, head Robert Sala, and. Uh, Battle and it's not just Williams. Like that whole front four mm-hmm. on on the Jets. Uh, you know, if you look at their pro football focus grades, they're really good all across the board. And uh, you know, the last week the Vikings had a had a too. really good. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. That's right. Uh, that's uh, Franklin Myers. Franklin Myers. But you last week uh, against the Patriots, the, the Kevin O'Connell had a much better game plan than he had against the Cowboys. Clearly, uh, there was a great focus on getting the, the ball out quickly uh, out of Kirk Cousins' hands, and not uh, they had a great plan for Blake Brandle, not leaving him on island very much. They gave him help with running back and tight end uh, chips. Uh, they had Ezra Cleveland kind of shading his side a lot and helping him when he could, uh, and and it worked. Uh, but with the with the the Jets front seven, uh, my, again, I'm not so worried about the. Against the Patriots, Matthew Judon on the outside was my biggest worry. I think mm-hmm. he was the Vikings' biggest worry. But for the Jets, it's interior guys like well, Williams. It's, it's, it's across the, the board. They've got a cross rusher board. and Bryce, Brian, Brian Huff that is yeah. damn good too. So, And, yeah, you cannot – so it's it's one thing to help one guy in the offensive line, but you can't help all five. Right. <laughs> and so, like – how is Ezra Cleveland going to fare, fare against these big guys in the interior? How is Ed Ingram, in the, who's mm-hmm. given up the most pressures of any offensive lineman in the NFL, I believe, how is he going to fare? Uh, at some point, those guys have to win or at least have a stalemate in their one-on-one battles up front the majority of the day. And if they don't do that, then the Vikings are going to be in a lot of trouble, just like they were against the Cowboys, where it's just constant pressure on Cousins. Cousins doesn't, even if he gets rid of it quick, he's going to be under duress. Uh, and that's not a great situation for any offense uh, and not a great situation for the Vikings offense. But again, Kevin O'Connell had a uh, found a game plan that worked last week mm-hmm. and minimized some of the pressure that the Patriots uh, defense could uh, pr- could get on Kirk Cousins. And uh, I have faith that he can come up with a good game plan this week against the Jets and find something where our offense functions well and works well. And like you, you were talking about like the middle of our defense between the linebackers and the safeties is an area that quarterbacks are exploiting. Well, the weakness of the jets defense is the linebackers and their safeties like a CJ Mosley, Quan Alexander. If the Vikings can find a way to exploit that complete passes in that soft middle area, uh, I think you know that's going to be uh, pretty important. I think we should look right. for that, and, and, and that's where T.J. Hawkins for crossers, one high, one low. Yeah, and for Kirk to take whichever one's open. And I think that's where uh, T.J. Hawkinson. That's an area where he might be occupying a lot, and uh, I expect that he'll be pretty busy tomorrow. And even though the Jets do very, you know, great job on tight ends according to the stats that you were giving, mm-hmm. uh, T.J. Hawkinson is not, uh, not you know, just your everyday tight, tight end. Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, G Mac, you said uh, ready for Forklift Bradbury. There is tomorrow. I'm very much looking forward to that. 
because we know Bradley's or Bradbury's improved this season. He's playing better than he ever has. We know that that was always his kryptonite. He would literally be picked up and pushed back. And if a guy can pick you up and you don't have your feet on the ground, you're not stopping him because he's carrying you. I'm looking forward to tomorrow to look at that matchup in particular to see how much his improvement is. As I've said before, parts of that is technique. He gets himself in bad techniques and he can be lifted up. If he's in good technique in the right position, he won't let that defender in close enough to lift him up. And he can defeat him that way. We'll watch tomorrow, see if that happens. You and I can talk about it after the game even. I uh, yes the uh, for this game too I think that um, for the Vikings particularly offensively um, there's I, I think that this game to me it, it feels like it's going to be kind of similar to the Washington game where I think that you're you're going to have uh, two te- uh, you know not a really a high scoring game that that game the Washington game was a 2017 game both offenses kind of struggled getting long sustained consistently getting long sustained drives uh and uh, i kind of feel like this one could be pretty similar it's going to be a bit of a a, not a pretty game to watch and you know if you love offenses it's going to be a bit of a slug fest and uh and uh, but uh and going to be close again uh i guess the question is and and again uh in those close games if the Vikings come out on the positive end of the turnovers in the battle, uh, then that's one of the things that could tip the game in our favor. Um, and uh, I'd, I'd love for uh, the Vikings to win by 14 or more points. Uh, somebody had commented where they felt that tomorrow is going to be that game. I don't feel that way, but but uh, but, but I do most feel likely that, not. Uh, I mean, Vikings are only favored by three, so that's yes. If you throw it on a neutral field, that's relatively even. But it's not on a neutral field. It's in U.S. Bank Stadium. The fans there do make a difference. You know, they can't hear me yelling at the TV. They can't hear Mary yelling at the TV. Her neighbors can, but they can't. But the players can hear everybody in that stadium, and they greatly, greatly appreciate it because it gives you extra energy. If you've ever played the game and had fans in the stands, whether it's high school or above, and hear that cheering. You feed off of that. You feed off of that. You play better. And hopefully, instead of that 2017 game, which is basically what they're calling for, a little bit more points-wise because it's 44 and a half. Um, so you're looking 23-20, you know, something like that, 27-21. Um, it's... You can get better. You can do that. You can make enough noise to throw off the offense, to throw off Mike White, right? Have him throw another pick. And only this time the pick is picked and it's taken to the house. And Mm -hmm. certain things like that can get going and it can snowball. And that's what we're looking for tomorrow is that big-ass snowball effect. That, and it's cold as shit in Minneapolis right now. And people from New York, even though they know how to deal with cold, nobody likes cold. Have them come in there and bitch and complain about how cold it is outside. And uh, maybe they want to go home early. Let's make it that way. Yeah, I, mean, I don't know. Um, it would be nice if the Vikings run the ball effectively tomorrow as well. They, nice didn't do it, do, they didn't do it at all against uh, New England. And uh, they did run 
the ball pretty well against the Cowboys, but it didn't matter because <laughs> we were down by three touchdowns before you could snap a finger. But, 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 but yeah, like interesting game t- tomorrow where you've got uh, a real stout defense, um, something to be worried about. But again, the Vikings have faced strong defenses for four straight weeks now, and uh, they performed, you know, you know, pretty well, except for, except for you know Dallas. the Dallas game was just. The Dallas game was just horrible on all levels, uh, not offensively, defensively, special teams. So, but otherwise, you know, the, the Vikings have, they're used to this now. And uh, I don't think that the, the Jets defense, uh, you got a game plan for them. You, you, you know, they got some very good players that you got to be concerned about, but I don't think the Vikings are scared at all about what they're facing. Uh, this is just another challenge for them. And, uh, and they've got to find a way and the game plan to, to, you know, uh, rise to that challenge and be successful in it. Well, that brings us to the point in the show where I want to add something uh, a little bit special. Mm-hmm. Friend of the show, friend of mine, Scott Big Gun, Admiral Big Gun, Baxter, every year does a charity drive for Special Olympics in Minnesota. The Daily Norseman gets together when it gets closer to the time, which will be end of January or February. They jump in the lake on February 4th is when it's scheduled. It's a polar plunge into Otter Tail Lake. Scott has done this for many years. He's hoping to raise $3,000 under his name. Uh, the link for where to donate, is, if you are so inclined, will be included in the show notes. It is there. If you have that generous feeling and want to help Special Olympics Minnesota, it is there. He does this every year. I joke to him about what are you trying to do? See how far your testicles suck up into yourself? Because that <laughs> water is ice cold. Uh, but it's a Norse thing, and I, I can't be with that with a stick. He does it. It's for a good cause. All of the money, all of the money goes to Special Olympics. And if you're wishing to partake before the year's out for our tax purposes, because it is tax deductible, by all means, you can do that. But I wanted to plug that for him before we head off for the end of the show. And uh, yeah, G Mac, I would think so. I've been in ice cold water before, and uh, eh, you have a shrinkage problem. So um, <laughs> it's not for me. But if by all means he can do it, and he and he's done it for years. Like I said, they raise they raise good amount of money for special teams. And that is something that's near and dear to his heart. So I just wanted to plug it. You'll see it again, and you'll see it across Daily Norseman when the time gets a little bit closer. But he has just started his effort, and he would appreciate if you're in the giving mood, and he knows times are tight, that uh, you give a buck or two. He'd appreciate that. So that's it for today. We've got through the game. I haven't lost my voice yet, which is Awesome. What's your prediction for tomorrow? 2017, like you're saying? No, I'm uh, I'm going to go with 24-21 uh, for, for Vikings. Okay. I, I, I'm, uh, like I said, I don't have a great feeling about it, but they, the Vikes have found a way to win uh, nine times out of 11 so far this year. Uh, they're at home. Uh, I have... Uh, <clears throat> You know, I'm not sold on Mike White, obviously. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, though I think that – and the Vikings are – both teams are motivated. they got a lot to play for, but uh, – Both are playing for the playoffs. Yep. Yeah. 
but uh, but yeah, I mean, we're nine and two. This is a game that you know a nine and two team has got to win mm-hmm. uh, and should win. Um, even even though even if you're playing against a defense as good as the Jets have um, last week, uh, you got Justin Jefferson, and if and if he's flying around, uh, you always got a chance. As long as the defense, as long as the defense stops the Jets a little bit, I'm not, I'm not expecting them to to you know hang up, uh, you know create three and outs uh, six or seven times in a row. Although that'd be nice, but uh, you know they they cannot you know just stop them from scoring you know three or three or four drives. <laughs> that might be all all that's necessary, right? Well, Purple Haze has twenty to ten. I think they will win by over a touchdown. Myself, um, I'm hoping they score the traditional over 30 points. So I'm thinking it's more like 30-20, but uh, they're going to win by over a touchdown. That's my my figure. And they go, they play. The one thing we forgot to say, they play at noon. And you know noon and Kirk Cousins, that's when he turns into Superman. So there's no way they're going to lose because Kirk Cousins at noon is unbeatable. So let's see the Vikings win tomorrow and you can join us on Climbing the Pocket we have the final score where we go live in the final two minutes, we have myself Jason Brown, Matt Anderson we have Jonas Stark from CTP Germany is in town, he will be at the game hopefully he hops on for a little guest appearance we shall see Uh, if not, he's hopefully going to be with us Wednesday when we have Vikings Happy Hour Live from Lake Monster Brewing. But again, tomorrow, in the final two minutes, we'll go live with the final score. Any last words there, Darren? Oh, I like that one. 26-20, Gina. Yeah, that'd be good. Yeah, well, I, I believe Jets are 4-1 on the road on the road this year, so they have been a good road team this year, uh, as well as being just a good team overall. Yeah, um, so, yeah. Tomorrow. Yes, that would be – that is what – I am hoping to see as well. So another another big test for the Vikings. Let's hope they pass it. Uh, and you know what we always say at the end of the shows, Dave? Mm-hmm. Skull Vikings! Skull Vikings! Thanks for watching. Like, subscribe, and ring the bell, and rate us on your favorite aggregator. And a special shout-out goes to our partners, the Daily Norsemen, where the best Vikings content can be found and to Lake Monster Brewing, home of the best beer in Minnesota. Skull, everybody. Skull, everybody.